Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is Cesar Pelicueta. This is William. This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and I cover all of Chelsea's latest matches, team news, and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you for being an awesome listener, and with no further delay, let's jump right in. And welcome back, Chelsea fans, to yet another episode. Yes, the fourth episode of the London is Blue podcast this week. Putting in the effort, you guys, absolute champs. I'm glad I could uh, sneak into the last one. And Nick, I did hear all of your slanderous comments from the previous episodes. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought we were extremely respectful. Uh, Dan and I were, I think, even complimentary of your absence. Yeah, I thought it made the pod smoother, Dan. It was it was really nice. You know, I mean, I'm uh, still here. It's like when you prepay for the tolls and you can drive through at like 90 to 100 miles an hour. It's kind of what it felt like. But Podcasting tolls. without throwing through the tolls. He's the toll troll? Is that what you're <laughs> Okay. Oh, no. All right. Anyways, so Mike, Dan, Look, and Nick are all say here. It. You said it, Nick. And, uh, hey, man. Oh, yeah. Of the night, <laughs> oh. So special episode of the London's Blue Podcast obviously coming at you tonight. Uh Nick Dan Mike and myself. Always sunny in SW6. That is the are. answer. Yeah. Thursday night pod post champion at Europa Europa League. Still getting used to that one. Uh great 
Well, interesting match today. So we'll get into all of that uh, right away. Uh, Big Nash on Discord saying, "Will you sing footballs coming home on the pod?" <laughs> no, it's yeah, been nope. home. This isn't in England, nineteen sixty-six. Nash, it, like this is like as Jake Cohen tweeted, "This is our third uh, ch- or chance to win our third European trophy in seven years." Like th- this is just normal. Well, and as our friend uh, Dan Silver tweeted us or uh, WhatsApped us after, major finals reached since the year 2000. Chelsea, 19. Manchester United, 16. Liverpool, 16. Arsenal, 13. Man City, 6. Tottenham, 5. Blue is the color. Oh, let's go. Fuck. All right. Yes. All right. Well, uh, Dan, I'll actually let you do a quick shout out because the Football Blogging Awards were today. That's right. And unlike Chelsea who managed to find their way through the fires, through the torture of the moment, and come out victorious. We were not the winners in either the judges category or the prime vote category, but we wanted to say a huge thank you to anyone who tweeted, who shared it out, who commented on Instagram, who gave a recommendation on Facebook, we threw it up on LinkedIn, voted on the actual Football Blogging Awards website. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I think... Beyond anything, what we realize in advocating and becoming a finalist is just how much we are appreciated, and that is the most humbling element of it, Nick, is that we just, you know, thank you to everyone who listens on a daily basis. Like you, you know, we put in a ton of work and we spend time away from our families or our loved ones, and we just can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day, your commute, whatever it is when you do when you listen to this, um, to listen to us. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I think all of that is very true. And, you know, when we were up against 15 other <laughs> shows, it was always going to be an uphill climb. But, uh, you know, I think every time we get to do this and we get to read your iTunes reviews, that's, you know, an award for us. And, and we really take that seriously. So uh, just thank you. Um, we know that we were annoying there for about a month with all the voting, uh, tweets and comments and things like that. So, uh, until this time next year, Chelsea fans, <laughs> you know what to do. Just listen like normal and then we'll be good. <laughs> uh, appreciate all the support and, uh, not only to us, but to the fan cast and, and, you know, it was good to see kind of the Chelsea community rally together. So again, Massive thanks. But here we are in the match review time. It was Frankfurt out of Germany. Europa League semifinal second leg all to play for a trip to Baku. <laughs> Stanford Bridge. It was this past Thursday, May 9th. Anyways, scoreline deuces 5-4 on penalties. Or No, false. No, no, no. no. Well, 5-3. I, I mean, mean, it was 1-1, it was not 2-2. Two, two. On aggregate. Oh, right, but the score of this game was 1-1. Whatever. I mean, it was 2-2 overall, which is Senate to penalties, or as us Americans like to call it, PKs. Uh, we didn't do predictions, and maybe, Mike, you should take a note and say that that's uh, a new strategy we should take is not predict because we're not right. <laughs> well, uh, unless you would have been uh, one Nick Verlaney, he would have gotten both both scores correct. But uh, yeah. He would have. If you always predict have... a 1-1, 50% yeah. of the time, you'll get it right. Well, again, I don't think it's doing us any favors. But anyways, Dan, lineup time. Uh, obviously, missing N'Golo Kante through a hamstring injury. 
That was the biggest one, but not a whole lot of surprises. Manager Kepa Arisa Balaga makes sure that he is selected in goal for the match, really managed the ma- the substitutions too to make sure he wasn't pulled out for the penalty shootout. Azpilicueta, Christensen, David Luiz, and Emerson fill out our back line. Kovacic, Jorginho, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as our starting midfield three. William, Giroux, and Hazard are the individuals who started in our line. Pedro comes in. Higuain comes in. Christensen leaves due to injury. And Gary, you know, Zappacosta comes in, surprisingly. And Ridiculous. then Ross Barkley comes in for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And I know there were a couple of stats of note as well, Brandon. Right, and I will go ahead and admit I said five four, but it was four three. I just knew we won by one. All right, so I, I apologize. It's been a long day. Uh, stat wise, Chelsea sixteen shots to Frankfurt's fourteen. We had seven on target. They had six on target. Seems pretty even. Uh, Chelsea go ahead with sixty one percent possession. Uh, Nineteen fouls for us. Twenty five for Frankfurt and three yellow cards for us. Four for them. Oh, man, 10 corners to their nine, and we only had one offsides to their four. So overall, the match was more or less in the balance, I'd say. Uh, Nick, I will give you the honorary duty of the first goal of the match. Uh, one Ruben Loftus-Cheek um, scores after an assist by Eden Hazard. I mean, Ruben loves the shot, Mike, it bring, kind of bringing it back in onto his right, having the kind of the perfect angle to cut it across goal. I, it, was a, it was a thing of beauty and, and might have been a little bit against the run of play uh, at that time. Uh, yeah, it, it's your classic. I mean, you can't call it a shot cross, but it, you know, if there's a bit of a, a way to dupe a goalkeeper, that is one of the prettiest shots from that angle because it looks like he's slotting it across the box and it just curls to that back corner. Um, just oh, shot all Ruben. day. No yeah, doubt that, about that, that, it. There's, oh, there's, there's no, 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 no calling I'm, for that I, being a cross in any capacity. What I, what I said was it at, at first you're thinking, what's he doing? But again, when you watch the angles, he deliberately picks his head up and, and curves it. I'm just saying. Oh, show. Yeah. The, um, the one thing that we should also make note of is Ruben is at full stop the moment that Eden Hazard picks up the ball and he has the awareness to start his run right after Eden makes just a little bit of a move forward, which perfectly mm-hmm. pulls the defender towards him. Great awareness by Ruben. And our friend Joe Tweeds also commented that he felt like based upon the way that Ruben was moving his body kind of to open up the shot, that it shows kind of this indication of progression of development of execution and training to make sure that this got pulled off so i mean ruben you know and deserves the credit for putting him up on the platter but ruben exceptional shot to make that goal happen Hmm. it's 10 goals for him too 10 goals and he really didn't start playing till about halfway through the year he doesn't need pks think think about that guys we were thinking about the midfield where the goals were going to come from this year Mm -hmm. Uh, perhaps we found an answer and yeah, he took his, his break in the in the Christmas time for injury as well. Uh, Rick Lamble actually tweeted that this is the first time an academy graduate has scored 10 goals or more. Uh, and it was 92-93. And those were, yeah, yeah, 92-93 is the last time an academy graduate in all competitions scored 10 or more goals in a single season. Wow. And as you pointed out, Nick, he hasn't had a full season. So well done, Ruben. Uh, Mike. Uh, as it was Pond- definitely our, but. 
By the way, it was definitely our interview that spurred him on. I think we can <laughs> all say that that was the turning point You're in, right. his, uh, in his career. Yeah. Yeah, we could map that so. out for sure. Uh, Mike, as punishment, <laughs> you can talk about the second goal. Yeah, well, I want to talk about the um, just imperilous uh, defense uh, by our two center backs. Uh, <laughs> Mr. David Luiz you shut steps your mouth. out. You hey, shut oh, your man. mouth. Zappacosta and Luis came forward nope. <clears throat> later in nope. the match. Here's the deal. The, the prince who was not promised stood still <laughs> while uh, his his center back partner stepped forward half half acidly, uh, leaving humongous space behind him. His partner uh, just stood and watched as Jovovich just kind of peeled off, ran back uh, with a beautiful through ball. Um, unfortunate. Uh, I will say that um, I thought Kepa did a good job. He could have just fl- flown off his line and clattered Jovovich, you know, potentially getting a red. Uh, and giving up the penalty, so maybe a little bit of refrain from him. Well, wouldn't they give him a not good yellow defense. now under like the double? Depends if he scored or not. Yeah, yeah. it's all. It, yeah. Yeah. If you do something stupid, put your studs up. You know what I mean? I, so I will say that the two parts of this goal that made it interesting were that Rebic started celebrating about a full minute before Jovic actually scored yes. the yeah. goal. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was hilarious. And then also, after David Luiz was soundly beaten, uh, pointed he he did the handout thing to uh, I think uh, it was Christensen on his left saying like hey where are you while running casually I was like like what, what the point like there was no point in that just try and tackle like it was not uh, it was, good it was, it was so Players, weird yeah. looking like it just seemed so casual you know yeah a, sim- parts, a simple yeah. give and go uh, beat our entire back line because they were flat and that was unfortunate uh, and so obviously we ended up going to penalties we can talk more about that later uh, but real quick let's go ahead and, and discuss the first 90 minutes that occurred tonight so Chelsea dominated the first half I think we can all agree on that uh, and then <laughs> typical season struggled in the second half do you think that we're maybe holding out for extra time or do you think that we're actually trying to win it during extra time um, Nick from your perspective the whole second half just seemed like you're running in quicksand. Just couldn't go for it. But do you think that Chelsea were at home, had any intent of letting that go to overtime if they didn't have to? I mean, from the performance and like, I didn't, I didn't get to see it live like you guys. I had to watch the the replay, but it just, it just looked like they never got it a second gear at all, and. The the weird part, I think the thing I wanted to bring up is that after such a strong second half against Watford on Sunday, uh, the the team talk thing didn't work again. Um, you know, it's kind of all to play for. You would think that if you came out strong in the second half, got another goal, that that thing would be pretty much wrapped at that point, Dan. And the approach just didn't seem – it seemed very hesitant or tentative – like they didn't want to make a mistake, and then obviously when you don't want to make a mistake, you make a mistake. Well, and I think that was the narrative of the second half was that we ended up with situations like Kovacic, fifty second minute, gets a yellow card for a pretty rough tackle in the eighty second minute. Aspilicueta makes a challenge, which probably, <sighs> if you don't have the Romanian ref, was a red, and he sent off, and you're down to 10 men. Like, there was a lot of just odd stuff that happened in this match, and of course, you know, European Knights, this whole fucking 
European football this week has been absolutely just ridiculous. So this was in norm, actually, with what everything else was happening. And then we make some early substitutions. Pedro comes on for William, very unhappy, 62nd minute. Zappa Costa comes on when Christensen gets injured, 74th minute. And then Barkley comes on right at the tail end of the 90 for Ruben Loftus-Cheek at 86. And I think, you know, Mike, to me as a fan, like all this was like spelling doom and gloom or like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work our way. And we kind of found our way to extra time, even though it felt like it wasn't actually going to make it there and that Frankfurt were going to eventually find the way path forward, particularly as they were continuing to press us at a very, very fast pace. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it mirrors a little bit of the Watford match in which, you know, we see Conte go down and everyone's just thinking, oh, shit, here's there goes the season, right? It's kind of the same thing. Christensen gets hurt. We're wondering about substitutions. Um, I do think about as far as the goal, again, this is this moment in which we cannot wake up for the first five minutes of the match. You know, it's, it's like the second half whistle blows and nobody hears it and we just slog along. I do, you know without blaming the 62 matches we've played previously. Um, we look tired, and I think that we're seeing um, people who are playing with each other, you know, Christensen and Louise and a few other, you know, with Conte and Rudiger gone and, and a couple other injuries. Um, we're not quite clicking, and yet at the same time, we're somehow buoyed by, by fate, as if to say, like, the team that should have probably started and won is actually going to be, you know, we're going to see Zappacosta clear a ball off the line and send us to Baku, right? It's just, it's madness. I would also say that uh, I think the the Frankfurt left back could have had a straight red with this slide tackle to the back of sure. Williams' calf. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that, the, yeah. So, if you're the Romanian referee, Brandon, what is a red card? <laughs> if the Dave challenge and that challenge are not red cards. Maybe like, he's... What is the, Maybe he's like some scene. perverted version of colorblind where yellow is red and he's just he was still shocked that people didn't he doesn't know math, so he's surprised that there's still eleven players on the pitch, but he just kinda let it roll. Right. Or dude's seen some shit in Romania and he's like, This is nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's no compound fractures, so it's not theory. Red. Um, but yeah, a bit rough. Uh, Albert on um, Discord says or asks has Jorginho finally showed his true form after getting used after getting used to playing in the Premier League? Are we too quick to react to Iguain, who maybe hasn't fully gotten accustomed to playing English football, or did we buy a shell of what he was? Uh, well, I mean, right away, I think I have a heck of a lot more um, excitement and patience for Jorginho than Iguain, and I think we kind of discussed that at at length last time uh, I was around. Uh, but it, it's kind of interesting. I I think Amity threw out a couple gifs gifs today um, of Jorginho and some really positive passing and, and some defensive work from him. Um, but I mean, I guess Dan, from your perspective, obviously, um, I think I think you've been pretty impressed with with Jorginho in the last few weeks, even sure. without and, a headband headbandage. Yeah, with- that was the concern, right? You take the headband off, and does he lose his magical powers? And it wasn't just sauce, right? He just opened up a fucking sauce factory <laughs> on that field. You know, he had that one move outside the box with a kind of a quick, almost like 360 turn, and he just pulls the ball forward. And 
my biggest concern with Jorginho was going to be how is he going to play against a very dominant Frankfurt side without N'Golo Kante next to him. And N'Golo Kante has been the Linus security blanket for Jorginho for the majority of the season, that if Jorginho gets into trouble, N'Golo Kante is going to rush in at the very end and make the tackle. And Jorginho was first into a couple really, really difficult trackbacks, into a couple difficult pulling all the way to the end line of our own goal at times to come up with salvaging the the ball back. And he was doing pretty much everything the entirety of the night. I don't think he was the man of the match, but if there was a man of the match too, he is probably the person that I would point to, Nick. Yeah, I so I mean he clearly performed I think adequately today. The thing that I was thinking about was, you know, really the way the whole defense kind of operated together and he's he's clearly a part of that linkage, Mike. Like for for this thing to have worked, and with kind of the movement from from Jovic and and Rebic up front, everyone needed to stay together. Like the communication between the lines had to be good, and I think he did a relatively good job of that today. Where whereas in previous matches, when you know we've been countered or or where we haven't had possession for periods of time, he's he's made a crucial error or stepped up when he shouldn't have, and I think he did a pretty good job today. Yeah, I think without Conte, um, you know, losing him in the Watford match, he's realized that he is that final, um, that final shield for the back four, and he's he's done a fantastic job at times digging things out and making some terrific tackles uh, in really bad spots. Um, I mean, maybe we need to do what Ruben is, and, and you know, Jorginho's dead, and and there's Jojo. So, um, you know, there was the Jorginho before the head injury and Jojo is now and whoever Jojo is, he's he's figuring it out. And I almost, you know, I like to think, too, that Ruben's play has opened him up and elevated the midfield overall. I think that we're seeing impacts there. And I, I think people are realizing, you know, we've talked about it before in which Luis sometimes plays better with a younger center back because he won't be as brash. And he realizes that he kind of needs to look out for the younger kid um, instead of just marauding, like almost carelessly at times. So maybe Jorginho's reined it in a little bit, realizes that Conte's gone and it's on his ass. So uh, whatever is going on with him, um, he has stepped up huge in, in the last two matches, just, and we are really fortunate. Just to clarify, we're, we're not saying when Dava Luis was moving basically into a left forward position. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that, he, he, he is clearly not being constrained by the fact that Christensen is a younger center back next to him. At, at times, I, you know. In the past, not this season. Yo, David <laughs> okay. Luiz broke some ankles today. Let's give him some props for that. A simple step over and that right back tripped and fell. <laughs> Deuces, my man. Peace it's out. Yeah, Excellent I, description of breaking ankles there, Brandon. That was well done. I, I will say, oh, I'm, just, I'm very happy for Jorginho, who's kind of, I feel like, has finally moved out of the shadow of he's Mauricio Sarri's son, he's sorry on the pitch like I think he is being recognized as the player that he is and as someone who is actually capable of conducting the play on the pitch which is getting close to I think the affinity that people had for what Fabregas was capable of doing and 
while mm-hmm. he doesn't assist as often, I think he is truly finding the moment now of dictating the play, and that is heading into a final, heading into next season is very, very exciting. But but he might have assisted more if we had people who could finish this year. I mean, oh, that's, 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 that's kind of yeah, that's kind of the point. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to retread that narrative. Like that narrative is done and dusted. Well, about, but yes, retread it. How about dude. this? How about this? If Maurizio Sarri goes this summer, do you think Jorginho should go too? Depends on who we bring in. Yeah, it's, it's totally system dependent, right? Because if you're going to play some sort of like two-man midfield, I'm not sure that works for him. No chance. Um, you know, I think Danny he has Drinkwater, to stay as a though. part of a three or a diamond. Like, if you play a diamond, he he would actually, I think, be really, really useful. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's just it's totally system dependent. And whether or not he, you know, after all the, you know, the ups and downs this year, you know, if he had the chance would want to go, I have no idea, but I think his, his uh, implication, Mike is if he's in a three or a four uh, midfield that he would be useful if he's in a two, I just don't know if he has the recovery speed. Yeah. I mean, the way I see it is once we win in Baku, he's not going anywhere. Cause sorry, won't be going anywhere. Uh, it will be mission accomplished, but um, I still, I, I think for the amount of shit that he has gotten this season, um, We've had a lot of players who've played and have not been at their best. And of everyone we've seen in the last three, four years, that dude has kept his chin up. And um, he seems to be undaunted by the amount of grief he's gotten. So uh, reg- regardless of if he stays or if he goes or, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But um, I will think of him fondly because I, I think he's dug it out at the end. And I, that, that's all we wanted, right? Did, did you guys see Drinkwater at the game too? <laughs> You're not you're not seriously making a bridge between those two players. Well, no, like, I mean he 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 read the story from uh, Trent Alexander Arnold about the empowerment that a ball boy can have, and uh, he was throwing balls in from the side. It was really impressive. Great commitment. Wow, man, that's so, that's so rough. That is so yeah. rough. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. Anyway, moving on. This yellow card, yellow card. You've been cautioned, Dan. <laughs> Is it the uh, the Brandon uh, yellow card GIF edit that we have? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. inside it's joke. It's on an orange card. Got to be in a Discord yeah. server. Thanks, Derek. Really appreciate that great idea you had. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we come back, uh, well, overtime, and PKs, penalty kicks. All right, be right back. All right, so pretty much quite literally, Mike, uh, how did extra time go for you? Uh, I have pace. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I am of a huge pacer. So I'm walking around my office like a madman. Um, I was having some issue with uh, the Bleacher Report app. Um, so there were times where I was watching the preview, the free preview, and that would cut out after five minutes. So um, I was also listening to Pat Nevin on the Fifth Stand app. It was fucking intense. That sounds um, terrible. As I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. It really heightened the... Uh, <laughs> The drama, though. Hmm. Well, so I say from from that perspective, I'd be interesting. So, um, you know, Dan, when you get to overtime, right? There's a lot of teams kind of uh, extra time. It can be called extra time too. I mean, whatever. It, it can be called the thing. It is. We are the American Chelsea podcast. Clearly, what we call it overtime. It. Touchdown. <laughs> All right. So one of so Extra one of the points. strategies, right, is to pull back a little bit and to maybe play a little bit more reserved or cautious. 
Um, you know, Maritza started being so close to a final, knowing that Chelsea probably have a deeper bench than Frankfurt. Um, I guess, what did you think of Chelsea's approach in the over extra time? So I actually think that we, and myself even, was very critical of who we were going for from a substitution standpoint. And you look at Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes out at the very tail end of standard time. He had been one of the most dynamic players in the first half, had tailed off a little bit. We find out later he was having muscle spasms, so sorry brings him off. Puts Barkley in, and obviously Barkley has not gotten a lot of minutes in the past month or so. Comes in and actually provides some energy. We're all fucking flabbergasted by the Zappa Costa coming in for Andreas Christensen instead of Gary Cahill, yet that adds a level of energy and pace. And then we see Pedro come in in the kind of this late 60th minute to replace William. And all of those substitutions, while individually viewed in that moment, might have been frustrating from a fan base perspective, an extra time actually, I think, proved to be the difference because we were attacking a very suspect, a very physically fatigued Frankfurt team that when we went to extra time, were on the pitch, on the ground, receiving treatment, not walking around, not feeling comfortable, feeling good, they look tired. And as much as we had a very tired team, Nick, I think we actually came into extra time and probably should have walked away with it in that extra time period based upon just the the tenacious approach that we had and the fact that we were not trying to go for penalty kicks. We were trying to go for a win. Yeah, and I think it was all kind of heightened too uh, because of the like the drop Cesar Espilicueta goal, not goal. Um, I I think there I think there was a desire there to try something, but again, you're playing a team that is you know if you give them an inch, they take a mile, and I you know it's going to be a it's it's a really difficult scenario for sorry right. He's at home. We should be ball dominant. We should be creating a bunch of chances. You know, you look at the entirety of this game and you look at the key moments, Mike, and I think we were probably fortunate to get out of this thing alive, honestly. A, a little bit, but I'm, I'm starting to f- see at times in which I feel like if we concede 40% of possession or, you know, if we play a little bit more openly, we're actually winning these matches because we're not letting teams just throw 10 men behind the, you know, behind the ball and just camp out in their defensive end. Um you know, it, it, it's tough. Uh, I don't rarely are people trying to play for for penalties. Um, you want to win that stuff. And and it, it's, it's a gutsy moment because you realize that, you know, we've got to score two if, if they pick up one. And, um, you know, both, again, Zappacosta and Louise clearing balls off the line. It just, the team stepped up. And, and I think we mentioned this in the last podcast is that I think so often we're waiting for moments of magic from you know, Eden and, and other things. And it's, it's good to see a team play or, you know, people that we haven't been super, you know, high on actually step up in, in big matches. And, and the only other thing that I want to say is from a public service announcement, if Ruben Loftus cheek is coming off the pitch in the 70th or 80th or 90th minute, it's because he's cramping up. Like 
I feel like we watch social media explode every single time. It happened at Watford and everything else. And people are like, why is he being subbed? It's because he's got muscle fatigue. Like, yeah, a lot of people have egg on yeah. their face right now. A well, lot. yeah, I mean, it's just like, come on. Like, I know Sarri's had his issues, but he is not deliberately trying to drive us into the ground. He's making a substitution because we don't want to happen to to Ruben what happened to Conte. He's trying to protect our players. You wouldn't want the most dangerous player that you have offensively in this match, and that is saying something because he was he was making yeah. runs all over the pitch and shaking people off like they were rag dolls mm-hmm. off of the pitch for the most important part of the game. Like it doesn't exactly. make any sense logically. So, you know, I just I know, I, Dan, I know this is like peak Chelsea Twitter where everything is an overreaction. Everybody wants to to criticize in the minute that it happens. I do it. Everyone else does it. But like I the logic didn't really follow me there. Like you, you wouldn't have taken him off when you have to go get another goal and he's your only goal. He's your goal scorer on the on the field. So it's just it's weird. Well, it, it's the same thing that we've seen for other physically dominant players that Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I think, is officiated in a different way because he's 6'4", because he's not taken down easily, that he was taken down three, four, five times in this match by players who have to literally pull him down with as much power as they can because otherwise he's just going to blow past them and now has to come off on the 86th minute. I think the only question was, like, is... Is there was a was there a possibility within the remaining couple minutes of that match to secure it before the end time? And you know, was it the right time to pull him off? And again, obviously, we lean on Marisa Sari, we lean on the physio staff, we lean on the player to make that determination. And I think it's hard at times when you're watching the match real time to absorb the context of the moment, Brandon. But it's you know, at the end of the day, it all worked out, and that and Barkley actually ended up bringing. A different dynamic to the game and credit to him for being a maligned player for the tail end of the season as Ruben has ascended and Barkley has faded out of memory to come in attempt some shots from distance to stand up in the box to place the ball forward he came on and definitely changed the dynamic of the game and really brought some fresh legs to it yeah, probably was needed too. You know, you talk about shots from distance, Sapacosta getting in there and trying to mix it up. Hello. Uh, really trying to, you know, stamp his uh, authority on the match. Interesting. Um, but it it was it was nice. I mean, especially it's and it was it was I hope that he was aware that um Kovacic was on a yellow as well so that he can't really put in the tackles and needs Barkley to do a lot of the breaking up for him as well. Um, but you know, it was, it, it was a good showing for Ross and, uh, we haven't always seen that from him, but it, to me, I mean, it's good to know that you can call on players to come off the bench. who maybe haven't had a have run in the squad for a while and they're still able to, to chip in. I mean, at this point you have to think that, you know, Kovacic and, and Barkley, they're, they're, they're second string. They're not starters. They're bit their squad players at this point, uh, but they were able to come in and, and put in some really good shifts and, and do enough to, you know, manage the game appropriately for Chelsea enough to get it done. Obviously winning in penalties kind of, you know, it's a bit of a coin flip at times, um, but uh, they, they did the job to get us there. And, and, and that's where we are led to right here is, is to the penalty kicks. 
uh, absolute drama. I was at work trying to talk to my boss. I had four people in my office all watching the game, freaking out. And she's like, "What is? What's happening?" I'm like, uh, "So this is the drama of penalty kicks." I'm like, "Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a big deal here." And sure enough, once I had heard that um, we had missed one, Aspie, I essentially had to end my conversation with my boss and headed into my office, Mike, so that way I could uh, finish it out. Gotta love the drama. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and all credit to Ross. Um, his, his um, that first PK he took, he slotted that in side Ooh, netting. It was good. And you, you, he finished it. He, he made the opening statement we needed and he shushed the Frankfurt fans. Fantastic. As he it was amazing. And, and, and again, I mean, if this, if there was a match for Ross to be in, you're talking about a tired team in which they're, you know, a little bit lesser quality, but he can really use his physicality and kind of beat up on. And, you know, I, I thought he did great. The, his penalty, man. Um, I, I will say, huge. I will say when Dave missed, it felt like karma for him still being on the pitch for that challenge. I felt like we were, being reminded of the fact that he made probably one of the worst tackles he's ever made for Chelsea in a, in a Chelsea shirt that should have been a straight red and sending off. And again, the Romanian ref who clearly left his contacts at home gives a yellow <laughs> for it only. And I just like, okay, like, so now we're relying upon Keppa to make some brilliant saves and he fucking delivers. Duh. And the tweet that... Uh, as much as we don't like to talk about the the keeper who will not be named who left previously, the uh, uh, th- this this is a reason why snakes don't have legs was such, oh, such a hilarious tweet. Jesus. Wow, uh, wow. God, savage. Yeah, Ke- I'm a snake. Keppa goading the player into going for the nutmeg, standing up in the moment and collapsing like all that thigh power. Just to collapse yep. the knees on the ball, stop it in flight. Brandon, how difficult is that to do that? And would you have attempted that? You know what's funny about that is a shorter keeper makes that save. A taller keeper doesn't because it would take them too long to get down to the ground. I mean, I just watched yeah. it on my phone. He's with the, he's within inches of that thing going through. So the irony, yeah. you know, we talked with some of the guys like Shane was asking a lot on on uh, Discord about my thoughts on some Keppa stuff. And while he's let in some goals because he's not tall enough, he definitely saved that one because he's shorter, which is uh, kind of yeah. ironic and funny. Um, uh, speaking of Shane, he actually asked you, "What were you doing during? What are you doing during those PKs? What's your approach?" I like that he he assumes that you have to have an approach. I mean, are you Nick? Nick, are you like the player who has to turn his back and can't watch? Um, or are you the team that's yeah, like, "Hey, everyone, I, bring it around, am, hands." I am. Yeah, I I have to, I I can't watch. Like I I was <laughs> I was lucky today that I couldn't watch the match live because I was I got out of a meeting and I was following PKs on my phone, which is actually. I think the best way to follow it, maybe, because uh, you get to see the reaction and you don't, you know, I don't know. But uh, like Drogba's penalty in Munich, I did not watch live. I looked oh, at the ground really? and my and my buddy tackled me as soon as it went in. I couldn't, I couldn't bear it, oh, man. Um, it, I, I felt, I felt like I was, I was adding to bad juju if I was, if I was in that moment live. So, yeah, I, I'm a little superstitious when it comes to penalties, but. I also like, you know, back on Keppa, uh, Mike, 
Yeah. We, we think about where this team was after he rebelled uh, a few months ago and, mm-hmm. and didn't get the job done in penalties against City. And this guy, I think ever since then, has stood up. He's been counted. He's yep. been uh, incredible, even though we've n- really not been good defensively in front of him. And he's made a few big saves uh, in the run of play and through penalties. And I'm just, you know, you look at the money that was spent on him. You look at his yes. his overall ability. You look at his distribution this year. And he's been exactly what he was made out to be. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't talked about his huge save in the in the 14th minute or the 59th minute. Both volleys, beautiful shots that he, he stepped up to. Um, and I think, you know, even at the beginning of the the PKs, you saw Jovic like he he guessed he went the right side. He got there and kind of much like in the city game, uh, he's unable to push that ball out of you know out of the goal. And so you, I think this game, like as fans, we're watching these moments and we're kind of going worst case and being like, oh shit, this is just like this is just like PKs against you know City. We're gonna miss them and this is gonna happen and. You know, and then kind of on the other side of it, it's also somewhat like watching us in Munich. I mean, Keppa's save with his knees is much kind of like the double fake that Czech did to uh, ice out um, Messi. So it really, overall, um, this was redemptive, right? Well, Keppa, my, my, sorry, man. My my buddy, um, my buddy Corey texted me. He said. Hey, remember when Keppa saved that penalty with his giant balls? <laughs> yeah, your, your former I, goalkeeper could never. I mean, look at I, like honestly, I, I want to wax poetic about him because he deserves it. This is a you know we I don't think on merit we deserve to to win this game cleanly, and he was a big part of you know the entire effort. And and Brandon Naz uh, Kinsella is a good friend of the show asked a really good question on Twitter that's had like a million responses to it this week, which is outside of Eden Hazard, who is the next best player for Chelsea? And my comment to him back was either N'Golo or Keppa, because I feel like those are the only other options. I think there's a pretty significant drop-off from there. And he might be, you know, I think he's well within his right to be in that kind of top three consideration right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <sighs> It's kind of one of those annoying questions from Naz because you're like, yeah, I know he's our best player, and I don't want to think about <laughs> not a world without Eden. Um, but I, I just, uh, I, lo- I love, I love Keppa. I can I ask a, a goalkeeping question too, nope. Brandon? Did Did you think? Well, I'll do it anyway. Uh, do you think? Did you think that trap uh, jumped way early on the ASP save? I don't. Did you pick that up? At I, all? I don't remember, but. Probably. I mean, all goalkeepers leave early in penalty shootouts. It's like the same thing. All field players run in the box early. Yeah. Well, and and let's let's give a separate shout out to, you know, David Luiz for scoring his, which was wonderful. Jorginho. Jorginho for continuing to have ice through his fucking veins with his jump hop Uh. skip penalty (laughs) score. And then what potentially was or maybe is the final kick that Eden Hazard no, makes don't do this. in a Chelsea shirt at Sanford Bridge to put Chelsea through on penalty kicks to the Europa League final. And 
I think if we were to sum up or end this conversation about the match in any way, like that is the most amazing but potentially heartbreaking moment of this entire match is potentially thinking that that was the last moment that fans in SW6 were seeing and Hazard live at Sanford Bridge. Yeah, you know, something that I saw, I can't remember who it was who had it on the Discord channel, put um, of two frames next to each other of, of Drogba scoring the goal against Neuer and, you know, and scoring against Trap. And the two keepers are basically frozen in an identical position. And I, I thought it was a bit poetic being that when we realized that Eden came to Chelsea because of that moment that Drogba created and he created for all of us. And, you know, maybe this moment, maybe it is one of his last, but, you know, who will he inspire uh, by creating this opportunity for us to go to the final? So I thought that was pretty cool. Also significantly different situations, but I love it. Oh, yeah. Ir- regardless. Yeah. Um, funny one from regardless. Mark Clement. Regardless. Regardless. No, no, no. Not a word. <laughs> it is. Mark Clement, will your firstborn be named Edin or Keppa? I mean, Nick is the one probably closest out of the three of us of having a firstborn. <laughs> oh, yeah, me. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, dude, I'm last on that train, but I think... I mean, no, I no. have a firstborn. Yeah, see, that's I, why I said the three I wanna, of us. <laughs> I want to go with N'Golo as mine, but I will let you guys have either Edin or Kepa, I w- so fight for I it. wish I didn't have to ask this, but how are you going to spell N'Golo? Oh, yeah. I, I think I'm going to go with the traditional spelling, although his <laughs> nickname his nickname ability is going to be incredible. Oh, my word. Uh, all right. Well, that was pretty fantastic today. I think overall it was... Uh, Stressful as hell, as always, back to the one half wonders, as you might put it. Um, man of the match time, Dan. I, I, we didn't really need an official poll because I just decided that it was Keppa. No, no. Well, you, you didn't need a poll because I'm also 100% agreement with you that Keppa was and is the man of the match, and anyone like Nick or Mike, if they disagree with it, should just sign off Skype now because they're incorrect. Nick probably thinks it was N'Golo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I think you could give Ruben a shout for his first half. I know it wasn't a great second half, but um, but yeah, I think I think Kepa's the the reasonable response. Two penalty saves, Mike. That's uh, and and the two major saves that you mentioned. It's it's hard to have a better night than he did. No argument for me at all. Lay down, boys. Um, all right. I'm going to wrap this one up with one final question uh, from at Taylor underscore M underscore ball saying, now that we have finally crawled our way to Baku, should we rest the squad for Sunday's final Premier League fixture or go to go for third? Or I'm sorry. Do we rest for the final or do we go for third place in the Premier League? Um, go for third. Wh- why is that? Go for third. Why? Go for third, go for third, go for third. You don't want to play that stupid-ass July match in the Champions League that you have to – it's like a play-in game to make no, the, top, to make the top, group stages. Top four in well, England automatically qualify now. The the other piece that we have to think about Boom. is that ultimately if prize money is distributed by league position, so you make more money by finishing third. So – as much as it's okay to finish in the top four, like finishing third potentially could mean extra millions of pounds that we can, if 
the Court of Arbitration of Sport decides that they should stay FIFA's ban for the summer, we can use to invest in new players. So third place is absolutely worth fighting for. And do you want to finish behind Spurs in anything? No. No, no, no. no, no. But you got to protect the players. I mean, you rest people who absolutely need it. You have three Uh, weeks now to get ready for this final, and you're going to have the the scrimmage game in Boston. I mean, it's – I understand, like – I would understand personally if Ruben, you know, came on as a second-half sub at Leicester – given his spasms and stuff, but mm-hmm. you absolutely, the, if you had done your jobs up to this point and you had the luxury of resting everybody and playing all these, you know, Academy prospects who are back great, but you didn't. And now you have to win one more match to guarantee third place. And I, I think they absolutely have to go for it. I, there's zero doubt in my mind. Well, I, I'm more interested in winning the Europa League, actually, which is going to be hard because Arsenal need it way more than we do. Why I, sure. um, why I am putting importance on it is because you go into pot one, is my understanding. So Manchester United got an extremely favorable draw as Europa League winners and increased their likelihood of advancing tenfold. Uh, obviously, if... Um, you know, third or fourth place in the league, that's actually a significant difference in the pot draws as well. So I would obviously, I think whatever route we go, um, we definitely just need to be aware of that. And and it's a hard thing to play for because it's something that will happen in the future. But um, irregardless, Nick. No, no. <laughs> Stop. Hey, uh, hey. So all we need I, to know, I, I all we need correct. to know is we're booking into Baku. You are? You're booking You're going? to Baku. No, hell no, yeah. but other people are. <laughs> Do you see Chris Axon? Chris Axon bought his flight the the night before and didn't tell anyone because he's afraid he's going to jinx it. Well, I'm glad he didn't Ooh. because we totally, yeah. He's, uh, he's comparing yeah. himself with Keppa, that's for sure. <laughs> so, Brandon, you are correct. Now the automatic 32... Uh, it's four fourth place teams from associations one through four, and that uh, England's the second association. So, oh, that's great that they're you don't have to do this stupid play in yeah. game thing anymore. That so I'm staying corrected. My fault. No, no. So, so what's the difference between winning the Europa League pot or money pot wise as opposed to coming up in uh, second place? Well, no, no, no. Because we're looking at, we're looking at a two million dollar difference between each spot in 2018. So. We might still stand to make more money by resting people and, and you know, trying to win the Europa. Well, what are you resting them for? That's to my protect, You're protecting them from injuries, dude. Just because we have three weeks doesn't mean that if Ruben hurts his back or somebody else picks up a hamstring pull that they're going to be ready in three weeks. Well, you're, you're also we're running. Be, we're, we're going to be lucky if Conte's ready. Well, Conte's not going to be ready because, sorry, he said so. Uh, Christensen probably won't be ready, so we might get Gary Cahill for another game. Um, but I think the thing is, like Chelsea should be competing in every competition as much as possible, right? So, like to finish with three more points and in third place means something. To finish and win the Europa League means something. To finish this season with a trophy, a European title, and to finish in the top four is something any of us at the beginning of the season, especially Nick, who predicted us outside of the top four, for memory, um, would have absolutely lapped up in any capacity means something. And so I think 
as much as I understand your desire to make sure that we protect players, like we will protect players the way that we can, but they also have to go play the last game of the season. And Lester are not going to roll over. Why, why don't why don't we let Sari do what we're paying him to do, and he'll decide whether players need to play or not? I mean, we don't have to play actually, every single person. Actually, I'm just gonna I'm, we don't I'm have gonna to body jack him, and uh, I'm gonna take over because that's an option. You have to you have to go for it. I, like, I'm sorry, I I don't see any other way around this. Like, it, unfortunately, um, the to me at least, you're you're playing 38 league games for a chance to to go into next year in a really good spot. And I if if they show up and and just lay down and just capitulate, like so, sorry is still not guaranteed to be the manager here next year. And if he wants any uh good vibes heading into this cha- or the Europa League final, I just I don't see how he can justify finishing fourth with Spurs ahead of us. Like it just makes no sense. I, look, I don't. I'm, there's a difference between capitulation and making a couple key, you know, resting one or two players. I mean, the, these players should be able to step up and play. We saw that Emerson and some of the other people have played. Zabacosta played well. I mean, there's no guarantee that we beat Leicester on the road with with the current squad that we have. So I think that if we need to make a substitution, because we're not there to see the players' fitness or practice. You know, just trust in sorry one last time. I mean, we're where we need to be, so let's just let him do his thing and I, I will go on I from will there. trust in sorry to rotate them against a New New England Revolution side who have let through <sighs> a ridiculous number of goals over the last couple you know, of so matches. They let, through, <laughs> they, they, they let through their manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Friedel's fired. They uh, they yeah. basically uh, have I don't like installed Friedel. a Catois level door in their uh, defense. <laughs> And let through basically every goal that they could, and should be easy quote unquote competition during a, a charity match. That's when you can rotate any competitive game. I want Chelsea to go out and play for a win, and I, I agree. Player safety should be a concern. But what are, what are the odds so that I want we them see? To win. What are the odds we see like Zappacosta in Dave, Dave moving into center back and maybe like Alonzo? Like, I think there are things that you can do without laying down, but like, I want to see the collective team spirit go for that win because Leicester City are, are tough, man. Like, they played City really tough, they played Liverpool really tough. They are under Brendan Rodgers. I actually think they're kind of going to be really challenging next year to play against and you like oh hell you yeah. have so, to come correct two, two things um one uh europa league final the if if you lose in the final you get 4.5 million euros if you win you get 8.5 million euros so regardless it's more Whoa. money um than going from fourth to third second of all uh i hear what you're saying nick but leicester also have some horrible results uh i, was, I just listened to the bbc podcast before they played city uh, and they predicted that City were going to roll them because they just actually don't have any real good results besides beating 10-man Arsenal. But they did put up a hell of a fight against City. It'll be This one, this one should be more open, um, probably just because it's the end of the season and um, we're not. it's not a t- potential title-deciding match like it was a couple weeks ago. But guys, this is amazing. Uh, we're going to Baku. I just looked JetBlue for twenty one hundred dollars. I will see you there. 
Chris Axon. <laughs> it will only take me 27 hours. Uh, oh, GoFundMe.com forward slash Brandon Tabaku. <laughs> it's happening. We're going to send them. We're going to make go. them go. Uh, see you all there. Uh, actually, I saw someone tweeted that we only got like 5,800 tickets allocated out of like a 60,000-person stadium. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Arsenal, Arsenal didn't That's do nice. much better. Like you basically have... 12,000, 13,000 seats out of a 60 plus thousand seat stadium devoted to the fans and everybody else is just going to be like, again, just money ruining sport. And well, it's, it's UEFA, right? Like this is one of the furthest places to travel within UEFA that you can possibly get. I mean, it's on the Caspian Sea, which is in Russia, essentially. (laughs) Like, I mean, this thing is, I mean, it's it's an impossible ask for a lot of people to who actually want to go to travel, and it's going to be expensive. So, like, I mean, they need to figure this out. Like, Madrid's one thing, you know, that's not that bad of a flight for for those in the UK. But Baku is man, it's like two or three time zones away. Like, it's crazy. It, like, yeah, it's not yes, it even is. the same discussion. It really isn't. Um, but anyways, on to the finals. So again, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, it is going to be great. Uh, I think we should keep this discussion going on in Discord uh, about uh, finishing third or the final. So let's instigate that in the episode discussion thread. And for the rest of you that are missing out, check it out on Patreon. You're not going to be disappointed. Uh, Mike, Dan, Nick, thank you so much, guys. It was good to be back. It was fun chatting with you all. Uh, but listeners, uh, we got one more game. Can you believe it? There's one match left in the Premier League season. Man, it has flown by. But we'll talk to you after that one. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.